0: Have you ever heard somebody say this? Or perhaps you've thought it or said it yourself. I could never forgive that person. Never forgive them for what they've done. Never forgive them for what's happened. Never forgive them for what they've said. As uh, you know, our theme this year, though uh, sidetracked a little bit through all of this, but our theme this year has been overflow. And this morning... We're going to talk about overflowing in forgiveness. Remember, our key passage that we're using this year are the words of Jesus from John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as a scripturist said rivers of living water will flow from within them. We've talked about how we have this picture not only when we come to Christ in full faith. Here is a picture of not only our satisfaction, but that we would then flow living waters out to the rest of the world. And the question that we have looked at each month as we've gone through this theme is what is flowing out of us what do people see when they come in contact with us? And do we have these healing living waters flowing out of us toward the world? Our, our passage then, I think, is an important passage in speaking about what God has in store for us in terms of forgiveness. Listen to these these descriptions and pictures that Micah just read for us here as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The picture is that we are supposed to be a forgiving people. And I think as Christians we generally recognize that we understand that we are supposed to be forgiving, that the images that are described here as God's chosen ones, that we would be compassionate and kind and humble and meek, patient, bearing one another, forgiving one another. And so as we talk about this, rather than bombarding us with look at all the myriads of passages that say we are supposed to forgive one another because there are many, and here's one of them. Let's ask this question. Why do we not do that? Why is that so hard? Why does that present itself as a difficulty? We know the scriptures say that we are supposed to forgive one another. So why then are we unforgiving? Why does it become difficult? Why do we think in our minds, I'm never going to forgive them for that or even say something along those lines? As we think about it, I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons that we come up with as our justifications why we think that we can be unforgiving. But I'll present to you, I think, perhaps three common ones as to things that happen as to why we think in our minds that I don't need to forgive because of this particular reason. I'd say one of them, I think, is the highest, most logical reason Why we choose to be unforgiving is because we, within ourselves, say, this person has hurt me and I need to protect myself. They've done something wrong against me. They have harmed me in this matter. And what we do is we see this, I think, ultimately as self-preservation. And right now we, we live in a culture that what we will do is we will unfriend, block, mute, drop, whatever we need to do to be able to cut that person off. Uh, self-preservation. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm not going to be around you. And so we just simply cut it off. And then it can even get to the point where you see people like, well, I'm just going to go to a different church. We're just going to self-preserve. We're going to rescue ourselves and block that other person out of our life. And so that's the reason why we're not going to forgive is I need to protect myself. I'm hurt. And that's valid. You are hurt when something like that happens. Another reason that I think we often choose to be unforgiving and think we cannot forgive Is ultimately because we're angry. And one of the ways that we perceive that we are going to bring about justice, that we will bring about a vindication, is that we will then use that anger against that person. Something needs to happen to them for what they've done. They have wronged me and I will punish them. I will be the one to bring justice against them. And so if I do not forgive them, then I have power over them to invoke this punishment, to try to bring about equity and justice to the situation. And so sometimes we choose to be unforgiving and say, I can't forgive that person. It's because ultimately we are angry and we want justice. We want to be able to say there is some equity in this and this is the way I can get my justice over that person. And then finally, I think just to be fair, just to be totally honest, we will not forgive because we're just done. (laughs) We're just done. We're done with it. I don't want to be around that person anymore. I don't want to have any dealings with that person anymore. And so I can't forgive because I'm just done. I don't want this relationship. I don't want to be around that person. I don't want to hear another word for them. And so that is then a reason why I will not forgive. If your reasoning can be one of these, or perhaps you can think of others I hope that one of the things that we observe in this is that typically when it comes to being unforgiving people, the real reason underneath it is that we are thinking about ourselves. We are thinking about either self-preservation or we are thinking about, I need to bring justice or I'm tired of this. I don't want to be around it. There's a lot of eyes when it comes to being unforgiving. There's a lot of the the thinking that I need to do something. This is my only response. And ultimately what we are doing is we are thinking about how we've been treated or what has happened to us or we didn't receive what we deserved or what happened wasn't fair or something along those lines. And one of the things that I think is ultimately challenging about our Lord telling us to forgive one another is because there is never anywhere where God comes in and says that's optional. You know, He never comes in and goes, you must be forgiving of others, you know, unless you're just really angry. And you need to forgive people Unless you think you're the only one that can bring justice to the situation. You need to be forgiving of people unless you just need to preserve yourself. What we do is we often come up with the excuses as to why we don't have to be forgiving people. Why we don't have to extend that. Why we don't have to offer that to people is because I've got a valid excuse. I have a valid reason. I have a formal complaint and that's why I don't have to but think about the passages that Jesus gives to us that reminds us how that's not an option remember in the sermon on the mount Jesus making it very clear that if we do not forgive others we're not going to be forgiven by God that's a a huge statement that God says don't think that you're going to find forgiveness with God If you're not a forgiving person to other people, we know the story very well in Matthew chapter 18, Peter coming to Jesus, should I forgive my brother up to seven times? You know, that seems lofty. I would have said one, right? You know, okay, was one enough? Is one good? Peter, seven times. And Jesus blows that seven out of the water. Which is 70 times seven. Being forgiving is not optional as the people of God. And so what I want to do is spend our time in these two verses in Colossians chapter 3 and just kind of drill down into the text and just begin to think about what this is going to look like for us as being more forgiving and being what God wants us to be. When we look at verse 12 and thinking about overflowing, With forgiveness, listen to that picture again. In verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves, put on these things, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I love the imagery is that as God's people, as the ones chosen by God, we should think about the clothing that we are wearing. So think about what we put on every day and what people are seeing is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, meekness, patience. That should just be kind of the clothing that's put on every day. This is what people are going to see in us, not vengeful, not angry, not trying to get what we can out of somebody else, but rather a a very different picture. Compassion to people, a care for people, a patience toward people, a gentleness toward people, a humility toward people. Notice all of these things revolve around the idea of where he's going to verse 13 to start speaking about forgiveness. This is the warm-up to it, is that you would have compassion for people. You would really think about them and be humble toward them, to be caring about them, gentle toward them, kind to them, and patient. And then when you listen to verse 13... Bear with one another. <laughs> I, I like this word because the word carries with it the idea of patient endurance. What you and I are doing toward people, what we are doing toward one another is that we will show patient endurance. Now, do you see the implication of having to tell people what I want you to do is bear with one another? The implication is this. People are not going to be perfect. They're not going to do what you want. They are going to be thoughtless, and they are going to be careless, and they are ultimately going to hurt you. You wouldn't have to say, bear with one another, if everybody did what you wanted them to do. right? I don't have to bear with people when they do exactly what I want. (laughs) The whole premise of saying you're going to patiently endure with people implies they're not going to do what you like. They're not going to do things that are helpful to you. They are going to be thoughtless. They are going to be careless. They are going to be hurtful. They are going to do things that you don't like. And that's why he would say, I want you to bear with them. Why would that be so important? Why does God say this? Why do we need this right here? When you look again at verse 12 and you listen to all the characteristics, as God's chosen people, compassionate and kind, humble, gentle, meek, patient, how else do we show those characteristics except by bearing with other people? What is the primary way to show that you are compassionate and kind and gentle and meek and humble and patient? By bearing with other people. By patiently enduring. By doing those characteristics When they do something that hurts, when they do something that's painful, when they do something you don't like, we show, we wear, we clothe ourselves with these very characteristics. This is why this is such an important picture that's given to us. If we are not bearing with one another, then we're not as compassionate and kind and gentle and humble and as patient as we think. You see, you can't do verse 12, compassion, kindness, patience, gentleness, meekness, and humility and not bear with people and have patient endurance. The, the two go together. It's impossible to be verse 12 and not verse 13. <laughs> to do them, you have to have them together. If we're going to bear with one another, then these are the characteristics. These are the components that that are what bring us to that point. And one of the reasons that is so important is because notice where he's leading us in this process. Notice the rest of of verse 13 there in the middle. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. If anyone has a complaint against each other, forgive each other. As I thought about that declaration by the Apostle Paul, I thought one of the things that I think it's easy for us to do is when we come to a word like forgiveness, is that we can be like the Pharisees of the first century and say, well, what does forgiveness really mean? What's the minimum? How little do I have to do to then say, I am a forgiving person? It reminds you of uh, the Pharisee when Jesus talks about loving your neighbor. And I'm to. well, who is my neighbor? Right. That, that's How are we going to get out of this conundrum? And here is God saying, I want you to forgive people, even if you have a complaint against them, forgiving one another. And we want to walk into the text and go, okay, well... What exactly does that entail? How little do I have to do? Do I really have to be forgiving? And I hope that we don't do that. I'm going to talk about a couple of pictures that are entailed with forgiveness. But if our approach to forgiveness is to be as minimal as possible, how little do I have to do? to ultimately try to be pictured as one that's forgiving, we're starting in the wrong place. That's not the kind of heart God wants. God does not want us having a heart that's says, Now, what is the least amount I can do to get away with that command? But the pictures are powerful. When this word is used in other places, like, for example, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, It is a word that is used to picture essentially granting a grace to someone. You are giving a kindness. And the implication is is that it's completely undeserved. You are graciously giving. You are granting a grace. And by definition, that's not deserved. It's unwarranted. And yet it's given anyway. The word is also used in terms of canceling a debt. We kind of still use forgiving a debt in terms of something you owe to a bank or something like that. The idea carries with it debts canceled as well. And I want us just to think about those two frameworks, those two descriptions that are being given because... Ultimately, in those descriptions, it takes away really all of the excuses that we can potentially come up with as to why we might refuse to be forgiving towards somebody. For example, we will sometimes say, well, they don't deserve forgiveness. Forgiveness is always undeserved. It's not forgiveness if it's deserved. That's inherent in the idea. It is granting a grace. It is giving a mercy. It is giving something that isn't deserved. And so to speak in terms like that and say, well, I can't forgive because they don't deserve it, that's not forgiveness at all. What we are doing is we are granting a grace. Or it takes away the other excuse, which is, well, they haven't done enough positive things for me, for me to forgive them. Because, you know, we think about the relationship like this. They've done this really big negative, right? There's this huge debt, big negative in the account. And we will forgive when they've done enough positive, good things to nullify the negative. But that's not forgiveness either. Your bank is not forgiving your debt after you've paid it off. That's just paying it off. That's not forgiveness. And sometimes we look at it that way. Well, when they've accomplished enough good things to make me feel better, to overcome the negative, then I'll forgive. But that's not forgiveness. That's not what that word means. And so we sometimes come at forgiveness with these excuses that, well, they're undeserving. Yep, that's what forgiveness means. Well, they've done a bunch of bad things. Yep, that's what forgiveness means. That is the very concept that here we see God trying to teach us. In fact, it's underscored in, the, in the, toward the end of verse 13. Look at it again in verse 13. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That is a huge statement. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let me ask this. Did God wait until we deserved it for him to forgive us? No. No, forgiveness doesn't work like that. It's not that we put ourselves to such a point of deserving that God comes along and goes, oh, okay. God doesn't forgive us because we deserve it. That's the consistent declaration of God over and over again is to try to tell us this is something that is undeserved. This is a gift of God. This is the grace of God. It is not deserved to us in the slightest. We know as Christians what we deserve and what we deserve is not forgiveness. So how can we tell people, I'm not going to forgive because you don't deserve it. When that's not how God functions towards us. We don't deserve forgiveness from God. Or the other side of that picture. Does God make us repay the debt? Now God stands back and says until you repay this debt. Then I'll forgive you. Well how many pictures are given to us in the scriptures. That sin is the unpayable debt. There's no way out of our sins. That's the whole problem. There's not enough good things that you and I can do to balance the equation so now we're okay with God. There's no way to pay the debt. That's what the parable of the unforgiving servant was all about. Jesus telling about this one who has a debt so enormous it can't be paid and here is the one who has it and says, I forgive the debt. That's the whole point. And yet, sometimes we look at it and act like the person who has wronged us needs to do enough good things until that debt's forgiven. The concept that you always see in scriptures is that forgiveness is always undeserved. Forgiveness is not deserved, it is always undeserved. In fact, did you notice that was the point in verse 13? If anyone has a complaint, is he saying that there's not a problem? There is a problem. He's he's underscoring it. You have a complaint. There is an issue. There is a debt. There is a problem. There is something between us. And he says, if there is the complaint, to forgive. It's not now that the complaint has been paid off. Or they've done enough good things. then now it's okay. Think about the picture that we have here that's given to us again in verse 13. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Just, Just think about that. Think about the picture of how God has forgiven us. Because the the forgiveness of God through Jesus is extraordinary. It's really just extraordinary. Because you do not have God sitting back, arms crossed, and saying, Well, until those people down there do enough good things, I'm not responding. Until they do what I want them to do, I will just sit back here and wait. Now, what's so impressive about the forgiveness of God is that God comes with the offer. That's what's so amazing about the imagery is you don't ever see God waiting back, but is creating the opportunity for reconciliation. Isn't this what is so amazing about when we see in Luke 15 with the parable of the lost son is that you don't see the father in the house, arms crossed, waiting for the son to come in, groveling on the ground and only when he says enough right things that then the father uncrosses his arms and says, okay. No, it's a picture of the father who sees the son afar off And starts running to him and tries to reconcile. That's what God did for us. This is the power of Romans 5. Not while we were seekers of God who were trying to do good things and be right before God, Christ died. It's while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, while we were still helpless. God sends his son and dies for us. There is nothing begrudging about the forgiveness of God. That's what I'm trying to get us to see here is when you think about the forgiveness of God, there is nothing about it that is begrudging. There's nothing about it that says, I won't do that. I can't do that I don't want to do that. It is always God trying to extend so that that relationship can be restored. In fact, I think that's the point of what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 12. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with one another. What does that mean? Well, we are the ones who are being the peacemakers. We are the ones who are reaching out. We are the ones trying to create the bridge. We're not just sitting back and saying, I sure hope they put that bridge together one day. Maybe if they do enough things to bridge it to me, I'll consider forgiving them and doing something toward them. To compare forgiveness to what the Lord has done strongly shows us the desire on our part To want to forgive. To want to reconcile. To want to extend mercy when possible. To want to be gracious. That is the picture of what we see with God. So let's return to where we started in this lesson. When we say that we can't forgive what we are doing is forgetting how God's forgiven us we have to be so careful that if we look at our relationships and we just think well that just does it I'm never ever gonna have any relationship with God even if they desire it we don't get that option We have to always remember how absolutely unforgivable we are. It doesn't take much of self-reflection. And you think about what God has endured toward each one of us. How much have we wronged him? How much have we offended him? How much have we sinned against him? How much damage have we caused against him? And please imagine if God just said, I can't forgive. Imagine him saying that. Imagine the terrifying words of standing before God in judgment. And he'd just say to us, you know what? I just can't forgive. You've done too much, too much hurt, too many sins, too much wrong. How do we overflow in forgiveness? We remember how we are being forgiven by God every moment. That we would never forget how, Frequently, we have a God that forgives us. How could we ever then turn around and say, Well, I can't forgive that person? Instead, God's people are supposed to be what we saw there in verse 12. As the chosen people of God, we're a forgiving people. We are compassionate. We're merciful. We're gracious. We're humble we're caring, we're kind, we're gentle, we're patient. That is the picture of what we are supposed to be. And I hope that as we we end this lesson, just think about in trying to be overflowing with forgiveness like God has pictured in this text. Remember all of the hurts and all of the pains that we have inflicted upon God. Just remember how often we've done wrong against God. And think about how many times we've been forgiven. How many times God has been gracious. How many times He has taken us back. And then go and forgive others if we have a complaint against them. May we never look at another individual and think that the debt is unpayable. They've done too much. But that we would want to be a people who seek reconciliation, who seek peace, who desire to rebuild bridges, to be the kind of people that you see in what God did to us, who extended and extended and extended and extended. as we think about that, I think, you know, at what point does God say, well, I know what Brent's going to do. He's just going to wrong me again. Because <laughs> that's what I want to do with people. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? I already know how this is all going to play out. One amazing God we have who takes us back again and again and again. And here is God saying, now, as I've forgiven you, as I've cleared the debt, And I've given you a grace. I want you to go toward other people and I want you to give them grace. And I want you to be patient to them. And I want you to cancel debts. We probably need that more than any time right now. To be a forgiving people to one another. To have care and concern for one another. To love each other. Be patient with each other. Forgive one another as God has forgiven us. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it seems so ironic to say this, but God forgive us for being unforgiving. Forgive us for as often as we have chosen and thought in our hearts, closed off our lives and said we would never forgive. We know that's not the heart you desire us to have. God, we pray for more compassionate hearts toward people. Lord, we pray for patient endurance. Lord, that you'd give us a greater strength and a greater awareness of why we need to bear with one another, even when there's complaints that we may have. Give us patience for when people have wronged us. And Lord, help us to not think about ourselves, but to think about the other person. Help us to think about the good that we can do. Help us to think about how we can extend grace. How we can show you, display your mercy, show your goodness in the various relationships that we have. God, forgive us for when we have not been peacemakers. Forgive us for when we've burned bridges and relationships. And God, we pray that we would be peacemakers rather than troublemakers. We would be people who would actively seek to reconcile rather than destroy. Help us, Lord, to be far more forgiving. Help us to be far more compassionate, far more gracious. Help us to be far more patient. And help us to be far less selfish in the way we think about others and the way we live our life. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your patience. Lord, we are in awe and we are just astounded that you forgive us as much as you do. Thank you for loving us like that. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for your patience. We pray for more in the days ahead as we strive to serve you. As we give our lives to you, in Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to sing a song that is an invitation to you. If there's any way we can help you in coming to Jesus and turning away from your sins to get your life right with God, we're here to help you in that. We are forgiven servants, and we come before God with that effort of trying to forgive others as well. Can we help you in any way? Won't you come while we stand and while we stand?